We all have weaknesses, we know, but how can we compensate for them? Stay with me, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Radelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. My name is Michael Radelnik. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. I'm so glad to be sitting around the radio kitchen table with you, taking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question today and you'd like to call, the phone number here is 877-548-3675. Let me give it to you again, but just so you know, the best time to get through is right at the beginning of the program. The phone lines are not full yet, so now would be a good time to call if you wanted to call today. 877-548-3675. Trisha McMillan is our producer, handling all things technical. It's Courtney Young, and answering the phones is our friend Charles today. Thanks for sitting in there, Charles. Now, go get your cup of coffee and open your Bible, because we're about to study the Scriptures. But before we get to your questions, let's talk about handling our own weaknesses. You know, the book of Proverbs provides wisdom, or the definition would be skill for living. It's a practical guide to sound life skills. And in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 through 28, there are four lessons from the animal kingdom on compensating for our weaknesses. Here's what it says. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. The ants are not a strong people, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are not a mighty people, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Locusts have no king. Yet all of them march in ranks. A lizard can be caught with your hands, yet it lives in king's palaces. Each of these examples from the animal kingdom are small animals or inherently weak, yet they are wise or skillful in dealing with their challenges. In fact, that's how God made them. In verse 24, where it says, uh, four things are small, yet they are extremely wise, the Hebrew can be translated is that they have been made extremely wise. They've been made extremely wise. They are extremely, made extremely skillful. That refers to the innate instincts God has built into them. And they give us four ways to compensate for our own weaknesses or limitations. First of all, we need to start early like the ants do. That's not referring to the ants' industry like some other verses or their hard work, but it's really about their timing. They start preparing their food in summer so they can eat in winter. When we face a challenge and we have a weakness, we can face that challenge with an early start. That's what will bring success. I mean, I deal with students all the time. I can't take tests, they say. I can't write papers. Well, the very first way I teach them to study is to start early when you study. It will enable you to do better on a test. When they say, well, I do terrible on tests, that's why I failed that test. I say, when did you study for it? Well, right before class. No, start studying weeks before. That's what you have to do. And then, of course, uh, people will write papers the night before they're due. That's not enough time to do research, to write out a draft to rewrite the draft, to do all the things that are necessary for writing a paper. This is just a life skill that we learn in college about starting early. In the same way, 
in every way that we face a challenge. If we look ahead and start early, we are then able to compensate for our weakness. Secondly, we need to secure ourselves like the hyrax does. The hyrax is sometimes translated coney. You know, the verse there says the hyrax are not a mighty people, but they make their home in the cliffs. Uh, or a coney. It's a rabbit-sized rodent that's indigenous to Israel. It has no ability to defend itself. It's basically food for predators. So the coney lives among the rocks and hides itself when attackers come. Basically, that's teaching us that we need to find a safe place for encouragement and security. That mostly comes through our relationships, people who will love us and encourage us, even though they know our weaknesses. Clearly, our spouses should be a secure place for us. Or joining a small group in our local congregation. Most importantly, I think it's found in our relationship with the Lord, who is the rock of our salvation. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Besides starting early and securing ourselves like the hyrax, we need to be organized and unified like the locusts. It says the locusts have no king, yet all of them march out in ranks. Locusts have no leader, yet they march out in an orderly way and stay unified. Of course, as they do that, they devastate crops, which is what happens when there's a locust plague. This shows the power of organization and collaboration. When we have a plan and we work together, there's no telling what we can accomplish. Remember what the Lord said about the wicked plans of the people of, who were planning the city and tower of Babylon in Genesis 11:6. The Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Even though we don't want to organize or collaborate on wicked plans, the principle is true. If we are organized and unified as the locusts are, we can accomplish anything. Then fourthly, besides starting early, besides securing ourselves, besides organization and unification, besides that, we need to attempt great things like the lizard. Kings in ancient Israel, well, this is what it says, a lizard can be caught in your hands, yet it lives in kings' palaces. Kings in ancient Israel would live in a palace made of cut stone. As beautiful as they were, they couldn't keep the lizards out. The lizard, this is most likely here referring to a gecko, is characterized what I call holy chutzpah, uh, spiritual audacity, we would call it in ourselves. Uh, what it is is uh, it doesn't limit itself to living among rocks outside, but just goes right into the king's palace and lives there. In other words, let's not let our weaknesses limit our goals. We can achieve great things for God by the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what our own weaknesses may be. That's the example of Dwight Lyman Moody, the founder of the Moody Bible Institute. Sixth grade education, and yet was the founder of multiple schools, Moody Bible Institute, other schools in Massachusetts, uh, helped found the YMCA, a remarkably effective man who never allowed his limitations to limit his goals. He attempted great things for God. Here's what the wisdom writer is telling us. Like small and weak animals, 
we can compensate for our own weaknesses by using God's principles of skillful living. We may be weak, but the Lord's given us the tools to be strong and accomplish great things for Him. Well, uh, I hope that uh, is a great challenge for all of us, since sometimes we're stymied by our weaknesses. Instead, we need to be uh, really looking to see what God can do through us. And by the way, that's why, before we get back, go to the phones, I want to mention our current resource. Uh, It has to do with both the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. They're two of the most popular books of the Bible, but there are passages that can leave us confused or asking questions. And so we've taken Psalms and Proverbs from the Moody Bible Commentary and made a smaller book, an excerpt from the Moody Bible Commentary of Psalms and Proverbs, and it's something you can have for your study. It, it gives the background and insight to passages in the Psalms and the Proverbs and will help us answer the questions we have when we read these texts. If you want the Psalms-Proverbs Commentary from the Moody Bible Commentary, Uh, If you do and you get it, I think that it will help us apply the comfort and wisdom of these great books. The book is yours when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine. We want to send you this book as a thank you. Just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, ask for the Moody Bible Commentary on Psalms and Proverbs. And we are going to go to the phones right now. Uh, We're going to speak with Shay in Lakeland, Florida, listening to WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Shay. How can I help you? Good morning, good morning. And um, I'm so excited to be on the program and just had a um, quick question. Okay. And it's... I don't know if I can say it's a vow. If, if you pray, um, I was very young, and I was raised in a church, had a relationship with God, and was, um, you know, deceived and ended up um, thinking that I was pregnant, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. And um, I prayed, and I asked God not to um, let me have any children in my, na- um, you know, naiveness, not let, like, having any children and not to get married. And one thing I remember is I woke up and I was on my kitchen floor at the time and um, I got up off the floor and I'm 53 now. And that happened when I was like 17. And I was like, um, I've never been able to get married and I've never had any children. So it's, it's when you pray that kind of prayer, and I was so sincere in my prayer, um, you know, and I know that I was, but can that be reversed? Because I've been praying now for years, and it hasn't happened. Well, of course, I think we can pray for things, and then God uh, answers that prayer. Uh, and we sometimes think that it's, we, then we we ask for the wrong thing, uh, and then we want to pray to reverse it. Let me just say that God's not a genie. Uh, you know, that's the way genies work. They We would ask the genie for something, and then you get it, and it's a bad thing, you know, and it's ha, 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 I gotcha. When we pray in Jesus' name, here's something that I think that is implicit in the, you know, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son. And when we pray to the Son, in the name of the Son, 
what's implicit in that is, Lord, I'm asking you for these things in the name of Jesus if it's for my good and for your glory. That's, that's what we're asking. So whatever God has done, he's not doing it to rub our nose in the dirt and show us how miserable we'll be if he gives us what we have asked for. He's doing it because it's for our good and for his glory. Now, it's totally okay to say, God, I really think it would be good for me to be married now uh, and ask him to, uh, to change the direction of your life that he's given you. It's absolutely fine to ask him for that. He may very well say, okay, now that you're 53, it would be for your good and for my gl- glory to bring someone into your life, and he might answer that prayer as well. But I would never... Uh, I would never assume that God's just going to say, well, you you made this prayer, now you got to live in it. Uh, God is always going to do what's best for us and what glorifies him the most. Okay, Shay? I get it. Thank you. That was a good word. I'm okay. sitting here very emotional right now for his okay. good, for my good and his glory. That's right. That's right. I get it. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thanks for your call, Shay. Uh, and, and you know, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart if you put him first in your life. So keep doing that, okay? Uh, we're going to come right back with more of your questions. The number 877-548-3675. This program is called Open Line. I'm, my name is Michael Rydelnik, and I will be right back with more of your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. Stay right there. Well, we're back. I'm so glad that you're listening today, the program Open Line, and my name is Michael Rydelnik. The phone number here, 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. Any questions you have about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life, I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, before we get back to the phones, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, mention something. One aspect of Open Line that I hope is apparent to everyone that's listening is that this isn't a solo program. I am part of a terrific team here made up of Trish, you know her, Open Line's producer. She keeps us organized. She keeps us on target. She keeps me on target, at least. Uh, she she gives me the answers in my earphone. No, not so much. Uh, but she, uh, she reminds me of what's important, and I just appreciate her so much. Courtney, our engineer, keeps us sounding good. There's a group of multiple capable phone answerers who really minister to people when they call. I just appreciate all the good people here at Moody Radio, at, at Open Line, and those who work even in administration of Moody Radio. We all partner together to help you in understanding God's Word. And then there are other parts of the team that you may not be aware of. I'm talking about our kitchen table partners. Uh, those are the people who commit to give monthly to open line so that we can be on the air answering questions every week. Their partnership keeps us on the air. And I hope if you're listening and open lines, regular part of your life, you listen, uh, 
your questions are answered. Even if you don't call, your questions are still answered. If, if this program is ministering to you and is encouraging you, I hope you'll consider joining the team by becoming a kitchen table partner. You may be someone who's actually uh, given a monthly gift here and there for uh, one of the, the resources that we offer. Uh, but if you would consider becoming a kitchen table partner, I sure would appreciate it. If you do, I'll send you a special audio Bible study every other week prepared exclusively for our kitchen table partners. If you become a kitchen table, if you want to become a kitchen table partner, you can do that today by calling 888-644-7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org. We're going to speak with Sandy in Enterprise, Oregon right now, uh, listening to KMBI. (laughs) Hello, Sandy. How can I help you today? Good morning. I just want to say how much I love the program. I learn something new every Saturday, even though I've been a Christ follower for 40 years. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank My you. question is, what does the commandment to honor your father and mother literally mean, and how do I do that when they were abusive or absent? Mm. Uh, they, they were abusive? They were absent? Or are they still abusive or absent? no. no. No, no, they're both passed away years oh. ago. But just, just you know, it came up in a Bible study I had the other day with some ladies and just talking about how, you know, when someone, you know, when it's not a healthy, mm-hmm. good parent, how, how do you honor it, still honor them? Yeah. What, what does that word honor literally mean? It's, it's kind of interesting because you're looking at it from an adult perspective, uh, not from a child. Mm-hmm. You know, usually we think of children honoring their parents uh, as uh, as when you think about it, uh, sort of like obeying them, so forth. Yes. Uh, when God gave that commandment on Mount Sinai, he was speaking to all Israel, you know, the, the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just speaking to the children. He was speaking to the adults. Uh, mm. I think that that's something that we need to remember, that there's a sense of bringing honor. Then when you look in, for example, in... Matthew 12, I think it is, or Mark 7, uh, when, when Jesus talks about the traditions of the elders and he talks about something called korban. Do you remember that? And he said, no. you see your elderly parent coming to you and they have a need oh, and you don't want to yes, give yes. it to them. So you say, this is korban. Mm-hmm. It's devoted to God. And therefore you then don't have to share it with your parent. And what he says is that Mm. uh, what that does is you invalidate God's command in order to maintain your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And that's in uh, Mark 7. And why I bring that up is it appears to me that one of the ways that Jesus was saying that we can honor our parents as adults is by caring for their need when they get aged. And that we have a sense of responsibility for them, whether they've been perfect parents or not. Uh, we mm-hmm. have to have a way of honoring them by caring for their needs. Uh, now, obviously, that's not something that you can do anymore. Uh, I don't think you're the only person that had difficulty with a parent or parents uh, uh, growing up. But it seems to me that one of the things that we can do is to honor them 
is to forgive them. Now, some people say you can't forgive someone if they can't apologize. Well, the truth of it is forgiveness lies within us. Reconciliation requires some sort of asking for forgiveness, but and you can't be reconciled. They're gone now. But you can forgive them for their failures. That's one of the ways you can release the debt that you feel is owed to you and say, I'll never get this. I just forgive it. It's over. And, and that's one thing uh, I would suggest would be the best thing to do. To forgive uh, parents is really an important aspect of honoring them. Once we've become parents, we see how hard it is. And uh, even in our, in our frailty, in our depravity, in our weakness, we make mistakes, and they did too. And the best thing we can do is forgive them. And then uh, I wouldn't wallow in the pain, uh, in my opinion, uh, if, if there's been, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie about my parents if I were in the situation that you're describing and say, oh, they were wonderful parents. I wouldn't do that. But I would maybe not talk about all their weaknesses to all my friends all the time. Uh, preserving their reputation uh, by honoring them without, uh, talking bad about the difficulties. There might be a circumstance where you can talk about how you cope with the difficulty in a small group or something like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't spread it out uh, abroad about the weaknesses of, of my parents if I were in this circumstance with you. I would just say, you know, I don't have to go over that again. It's all, uh, it's, I've got the perfect Heavenly Father now, and, and I, don't, I don't need to, you know, keep going over this painful stuff over and over again. Does that, does that help? Oh, yes. You gave me tears, and that was so helpful. Just two supposedly simple things. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your call, and uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it, Sandy. Okay. Uh, we're going to speak next with Beatrice, Fort Myers, Florida, WSOR. Welcome to Open Line, Beatrice. How can I help you today? Good morning. Uh, I want to know, I was baptized when I was a little baby, and now that I received the Lord, should I be baptized again as an adult? It depends on who you ask, Beatrice. You know, uh, there are a lot of different views about baptism, and Uh everyone differs, and... uh, I'm going to, I'll answer the question, but I'm going to say out there, all my friends who believe in infant baptism, uh, you know, this is something we can disagree about and, uh, Uh and don't, uh, don't presume that this will break fellowship with us or anything like that. I know that there are people who really, really strongly believe in infant baptism, but as I read the scriptures, it appears to me, you can see in the book of Acts, who is it that gets baptized? not babies. It's people when they believe. In Acts 2, Mm -hmm. when the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit falls and then Peter preaches and 3,000 come to faith, how, what happens then? They are baptized. Uh, Mm -hmm. The uh, Ethiopian royal official, the treasurer, when he is with Philip, uh, Philip preaches the gospel to him from Isaiah 53, and then he says, I see water, what hinders me from being baptized. He was an adult who had just come to faith. And so it seems to me that the best uh, biblical understanding of baptism is uh, for people 
once they have made that faith decision to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, that's, that's my conviction. I think it's rooted in Jewish uh, baptism, Jewish proselyte immersion. Uh, when someone would convert to Judaism in the first century, they would go into the mikvah, the ritual immersion bath, the ritual bath, and they would be immersed there. And they, uh, this is a Gentile converting to Judaism. When they went under the water, they would be a Gentile. When they come up, they're, they're Jewish. Well, when, when a person is baptized, they, they die with the Lord Jesus, according to Romans 6, and they come up mm-hmm. identified with him. And so it's a, a picture of our new relationship. An infant doesn't have that. Uh, people who believe in infant baptism are trying to make it sort of parallel to the idea of circumcision. I just don't think that that's valid. The biblical picture is uh, ritual immersion for those who have uh, come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, and and they the old me died, the new me comes up out of the water, resurrected to new life by Him. That's what that's a picture of. So, Beatrice, yeah. I would say yes. Go get baptized. I I I I believe that whatever you said. I believe that way. When I wanted to make sure that I was I was thinking that way, but I I believe that way. But but if you don't get baptized. Near adult, you can still go to heaven. Absolutely. How are we saved? By grace through faith, not by grace through faith and baptism. By grace through faith. You've trusted in Jesus. That's the key. So, yeah, go ahead and go be baptized, but you already know the Lord, Beatrice. That's the good news. That's why you're being baptized. Okay, we're going to be right back with uh, the mailbag, so don't go away. Thanks for your call, Beatrice, and stay with us. There's more to come. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm Michael Rydelnik, and joining me right now is Trisha McMillan. She's the producer of Open Line. She's the queen of the questions here. She puts together the mailbag. I'm glad that she's here. Hey, Trisha, it's hard. we've hardly seen each other since we were in Israel in June. I right? know. I know. That's what happens when you take some time off. Yeah. You, when you take some time off. <laughs> I did take some time off. It's the first time I've ever done that in 11 years on Open Line. I, I took a few weeks off in July. Uh, I thought I was running out of answers, so I needed some time to <laughs> re- renew and refresh, and, right. and then maybe there might be some answers in my brain. So, and, and you feel ready for that today? Yeah, I'm okay. feeling Fantastic. Re- tanned and rested. There we go. What? <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you back live. Hey, you know, I know I, that we've heard you over the yeah. last few weeks, and we had Mike Fabaras fill in. That's what a I was going to say. I'm so grateful. Uh, Mike Fabaras sat in a couple times. He's a wonderful pastor from California, he's a Moody grad. Uh, and he's no Dr. Mike Fabares, but also he's on the board of trustees of Moody Bible Institute. You know, he's he's I, I can't believe I got this high honcho to come in here. And uh, but he's such a great Bible answer. I just love listening to him on the radio on Focal Point. So mm-hmm. and yeah. he loves doing it. Yeah, he really does love answering yeah. questions. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate you being in for me. So, uh, okay. You want to see which ones he left you? Yeah, let's see. What did he leave on the table? But that's that's hard. Leave that for Adelnik right there. He may have said that about a couple. No, this one, though, came in fresh for you. Um, and this one came in on Instagram. It's our first question from Instagram. Oh, wow. I'm really excited. So if you didn't know, we started an Instagram page. Um, 
right before we went to Israel. So a lot of on, pictures of Israel on there. It, so if you go it, to it, yes, that's yeah. that's almost exclusively what it is right now. Yeah. Um, but it is at Open Line Radio is our handle. Um, so you can leave questions there, or you can just look through our pictures um, that we've posted from Israel if you didn't see those. Those are also on Facebook, so you've kind of got both spots where you can follow us. Um, Caitlin Sings is who wrote this question, mm-hmm. and she said, I have a question regarding the lineage of Jesus. If Luke 3.23 is referring to the lineage of Mary, why didn't Luke call Joseph a son-in-law instead of a son? Luke later uses the term son-in-law in Luke 12. 53. So it seems intentional. I know there's a lot of obscurity and seemingly contradictory texts regarding the lineage of Jesus. And I truly appreciate the Q&A that you, Michael, mm-hmm. do in Today in the Word. Mm-hmm. I would like to dig a little deeper for clarification uh, and peace of mind. I don't know why he chose not to use the word son-in-law. What I think is what some people have conjectured is that uh, that Joseph... Uh, was an orphan and therefore uh, was adopted by Eli. So he wasn't just his son-in-law, but that uh, what what the, his father-in-law did is to give him an inheritance that was direct. Uh, maybe, maybe Mary had no uh, brothers, so he needed a son to inherit, and uh, and maybe Joseph was an orphan and didn't have really a, a, tr- a father relationship. That it could very well be that that Eli then uh, adopted him, and that's why he calls him his son rather than his son-in-law. Hmm. That is pure conjecture, mm-hmm. but that's what some people have conjectured because it was not unusual for a father-in-law to do that. Okay. So. So in the Greek, it no, just says son. The, it just says son. Yeah. And does it say son-in-law for the other for the Luke twelve fifty-three? Uh, um, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I have to look it up. Okay. I will. I, I'm going to keep talking, Trisha. So the the Luke twelve fifty-three. Uh huh. Uh huh. We've uh, done this before when you've translated live yeah. on the air, which just floored me. Um, Luke twelve fifty-three yeah, says it's, it's the word for mother-in-law. Yeah. For. F- uh, I'm looking at your mother-in-law. Against and daughter-in-law. Okay. There's no son word. against. Okay. Son against father. So there mother. is a word in Greek for the well, in-law a, word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean that one isn't specifically referring to yeah. Joseph, yeah. but the word exists in Greek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that question, Caitlin Sings. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know why, but that that the conjecture is that. Uh, Heli or Eli adopted Joseph. Okay. So. All right. Thank you. Next question is from Michelle in Illinois. This is a translation question for Isaiah 59, verse 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michelle is looking at the KJV and the NKJV, the New King James. Oh, that's always a mistake. <laughs> no, my wife. Uh, my wife will scold me for saying that. Uh, the the King James, uh, even the N- New King James, is a very good Old Testament translation. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop saying that. Okay, okay. what's the question? All right. So she. So there is this portion of the verse. I'll read the New King James. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, "So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, 
and his glory from the rising of the sun. And then this is the part she has a question of a uh, question on. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Mm-hmm. So compared to the New American Standard, which says, so they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. Um, and she wants to know why, why they're so different and what the original Hebrew says. Why doesn't it say when an enemy... Uh, I'm... The, it's the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the mm-hmm. spirit of the Lord will, st- will lift up a standard against him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it says that. Uh, honestly, I just don't know. I'm looking here at the, at the Hebrew, and for he will come like a rushing stream and uh, which the spirit of the Lord drives uh, this is him. again a live translation yeah. on the air yeah okay. uh, I don't know why the King James says that okay uh, I just don't know uh, I'm reading the Hebrew and it, it doesn't say what the King James says okay so and so sometimes when these translations when we find these differences mm-hmm. that um, seem very different mm-hmm. um how do we how well, do we figure out what it what it's trying to say well, what i would say is i would look at uh more modern translations like the new american standard like the uh hcsb the niv uh the esv i would look at those and what you're going to find in this case is virtually all of them have the same translation different from the king james so I would have to do some research to figure out why the King James did that. I just can't do that. Okay. You know, now, in an instant. Uh, but uh, I would say I would go with the more modern translations, uh, uh, you know, where it says uh, the wind or the spirit of the Lord drives. It, it could be the breath of the Lord. I don't know. Uh, there, there are some variations that you can have because of the w- variations in the meaning of the word. However, the King James is really different. Yeah. You know, the, uh, there's no word for enemy that I see okay. in the Hebrew here. Okay. So uh, uh, that's why it seems to me that, uh, uh, you know, I always recommend reading a more modern translation. Uh, I, I'll Now you've got my uh, curiosity up. And so I will try and figure out why the King James translated it the way it did. Okay, where and, the enemy came from. Yeah, and I will. Uh, because let... the new the New American Standard actually it refer for He will come, and refers to it with a capital H. Yeah, and, and so those are so you've got yeah. an enemy and you've got a reference yeah. to God. And and uh, so does the HCSB says He will come. Okay, with with a reference to God with a capital okay. H, and even the Net translation which is a very good, if you want to kind of figure out why people are translating things the way they do, they give translation notes. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, that to me, they don't use capitals, but they're talking about the Lord in that, their translation as well. Okay. So. Would this Isaiah 59 passage have been part of um, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls? Was it? Yeah, they would have so, probably, yeah. So they yeah. may have found more recent yeah, um, more uh, more recent, but the, the Dead Sea Scroll is based on the same uh, basic text oh, okay. that we have the King James from. Okay, so, so yeah. it wouldn't have changed. No. 
that part of it. No. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes, the, remember, the lexicography has gone a long way since the 17th century. So that, that could be it, too. Okay. So. All right. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well. <laughs> For the translation. S- sorry uh, that I don't know the reason, but I, I at least I could read the Hebrew, so yeah. that'll get us yeah. through it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for those questions. You can always write to us. Go to openlineradio.org and click on Ask Michael a Question and send your question in there. Uh, this is Michael Rydellick and Trisha McMillan, and we'll be right back with more of your calls. Thanks for sticking around. This is Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. You know, in Romans 10, 1, Paul said his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The apostle prayed for the people of Israel, a prayer I think that we too often neglect. And that's why Chosen People Ministries' new calendar is a great reminder to pray for Israel. This year's calendar will immerse us in the land of Israel and encourage us to pray has breathtaking photos of the land, and it has prompts for heartfelt prayer for Israel. Uh, This calendar can be yours free. Uh, And by the way, since the Jewish New Year starts in the fall, the calendar this year will run from September, as it always does, but all the way through December of 2024, September of 23 through December of 24, and it has these great pictures of Israel and the people to pray for and... uh, I think it's a great, uh, great opportunity to get for your free copy of the Chosen People Ministries Messianic Jewish Art Calendar. Go to the Open Line website. That's our website, not theirs. OpenLineRadio.org. Scroll down. You'll see a link that says "A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries." Click on that, and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own free copy of the twenty-three twenty-four. Messianic Jewish Art Calendar from Chosen People Ministries. Well, we're going to go right back to the phones, talk to Cynthia in Columbiana. Columbiana, I don't know how to say that, Cynthia, uh, listening on WCRF. Uh, Welcome to Open Line, Cynthia. How do you say the name of your town? Columbiana. Columbiana. Where is that? Yes, that's about, uh, oh, south of Youngstown, Ohio. Are you familiar with that? I am. I've driven through Youngstown. I candidated for a congregation okay. when I was in seminary, uh, but ended up at a uh-huh. congregation in Columbus, uh, okay. Ohio. But uh, here's the funny okay. thing about Youngstown: when my parents, my parents survived the Holocaust, they were living in Berlin and applied to come to the United States. They had to have a sponsor, and the sponsor uh-huh. that that they had was in Youngstown. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Youngstown uh, has a very thriving Jewish community. Yes. And so my parents, I thought, well, they thought they were going to live in Youngstown, Ohio. They asked where it was. They said a little bit past New York, west of New York. And uh, they got to New New York. This is, I wasn't born yet, but I heard the story. They got to New York and they saw on the map where Youngstown was. And my dad thought, I'm not going there. And so... (laughs) So we went to Manhattan, got a job, uh, and and stayed in New York City. And that's why I'm from the Holy Land of Brooklyn. That's where I was born. So, but I could have been from Youngstown. That sounds good. Yeah. You could have been from Youngstown. Well, I think you made a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> because of all of that you have done since then. So but, that was well, I could have, maybe I could have served God from Youngstown, but I got to tell you, I'm glad sure. I'm from New York. I like Brooklyn. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well, they they do have a very uh, thriving Jewish community in Youngstown and Messianic Jewish people up there. I candidated at that Messianic congregation in Youngstown, oh, about 40 years ago, but that's another story. Uh But anyway, (laughs) uh, how can I help you today? Thank you so much. I really appreciate your program and everything you're doing. Uh, I just have a quick question. Are demons fallen angels? Appears to be in Scripture. Uh, the okay. the Bible calls the demons the devil and his angels, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it says in Revelation 12 that he took a third of the stars with him, the stars mm-hmm. being a symbol for angels. Uh, that, so mm-hmm. when, he, when the devil fell, the, when Satan fell, he's called... Three. Let's see. In that passage, he's called uh, he's called Satan, he's called the devil, <laughs> and he's called the dragon in Revelation twelve. And uh, uh-huh. the dragon is a symbolic term. Uh, the devil, in uh, and, and then the uh, Satan. Uh, devil means mm-hmm. slanderer or liar, and then uh, Satan is the adversary. Uh, so, yes. but it says he took a third of the stars with him. That seems to be uh, angels who fell and became demons. So, okay, okay, okay. That answers it. Uh, yes, I appreciate very much your answer. Thank you so Great. much. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks for calling. Program. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're welcome. Bye. Uh, we're going to speak next with uh, Joe in Tampa, Florida, listening on WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Joe. How can I help you? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. So my question is uh, about the seven uh, things that God despises listed in Proverbs. Mm -hmm. The last um, one is uh, uh, those who stir up dissension among the brethren. So does brethren mean believers or... Does it mean anybody? In other words, like at a workplace situation where coworkers are disagreeing with uh, management's policies and a, a person is, you know, just adding gas to the fire, is that mm-hmm. included? Uh, by application, I suppose. It's talking there about one who stirs up uh, trouble among brothers. And that brothers could refer to familial relationships, and it can refer also to spiritual relationships. Uh, I don't think it really refers directly to work relationships, but more spiritual and familial. Uh, And it's saying there, and the relatives, it doesn't have to be the brothers in a family, uh, like a, a, a the nuclear family, but a broad family, cousins and and things like that uh, could be included in that uh, among family. You could say the one who stirs up trouble in the family, uh, and I guess I would say at work you're dealing with people who don't know the Lord. Is it not? Is that not right, Joe? You said an example. Uh, if you're no, no, I'm, I'm asking specifically. Are dealing with people who don't know the Lord? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the problem. Uh, I I don't think it's very. I mean, I, I think it's good to nurture unity and respect at work, and 
Uh, but I probably wouldn't go to someone and say, you, you know, you are doing something detestable to God, and uh, uh, this is an abomination, and that's not going to be very winsome to winning them to the Lord. So uh, I would do the best to say, you know, what, what would be the best is for us to find harmony rather than uh, stir up strife between us. Let's see what we can do to, to have greater unity. And, but I probably wouldn't come down uh, from a spiritual perspective with lost people that this is an abomination and something test- detestable to God because that's, uh, what we want to do is attract people to the Lord, not not you know, throw them under the bus and say, "Look, God hates you." So, uh, you know, when people act that way when they don't know the Lord, they're act they're acting just as they should. That's how lost people act. Uh, the sad part is when believers act that way, of course. But uh, the the main thing is, you know, uh, I I had a neighbor once that was just a very difficult neighbor when I lived in an apartment building many years ago, and. We were talking with a friend about not knowing what to do. We're doing everything we can to try and win this guy. And, and uh, you know, but there's nothing we could do. I mean, cookies, all sorts of stuff. We, would, we were trying to be really super nice to him. He, just, he was just angry with everyone in the whole building. But uh, a friend of ours said, well, you know, he's walking in darkness. That's how he's supposed to act when you walk in darkness. And it changed my whole perspective. Uh, it just made me pray for him all the more to find the light. And so that's what I would do with my coworkers. Encourage them, strengthen them, do what you can to help them, but uh, mostly pray for them to find the light because right now they're walking in darkness. Okay, my friend? I don't know if I answered you correctly. One of the person who is at the center is actually a pastor of his own church. And to me, it's just a bad uh, example of just... You know, I, I really could... Joe, you, you're breaking up. I couldn't hear it. I think you said there was uh, a pastor. That's another discussion for another time uh, because we've run out of time. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for the first hour. Keep listening because there's a second hour of Open Line on most of these stations. If your station doesn't carry Open Line's second hour, you can always listen on the Moody Radio app, or you can listen online, uh, or you can get the podcast. During the break, check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. That page has links to all sorts of things you'll find interesting and helpful. It also shows you where to uh, give for to get our current resource and how to become a kitchen table partner, how to get the chosen people uh uh, uh, calendar. Second hour of Open Line is coming up straight ahead with more of your questions. Open Line with Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs>